The word of the Lord from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this fourth Sunday after Advent comes from this epistle that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme, Trustworthy and True. When you know, you know. I've seen this phrase so many times when it's used in pictures, movies, plays, and conversations between friends. I usually have no clue what they're talking about. So what everyone seems to know is very intriguing to me. So if it's a picture, I study it copiously, as I am visual, to see what visual cues may reveal what everyone knows. When it's a movie, I just wait to see how it's revealed later as the plot thickens. When it's in a play, I usually pick up on it in the first act, wait for it to be alluded to in the second, and then satisfyingly appreciate its final consummation in the third. But that's only if I could find Mike and Ike's during the intermission to help my hunger pains. And if it's between friends, and I happen to be the unwanted appendage to the inner circle, I just go full-on rude and ask the unthinkable question. No, I don't know. What? That is typically met with eye rolls, shifty glances back and forth, or just plain incredulous stares at the buffoon that doesn't know. I'll let you all in on a couple of secrets. I am an ambassador for all the ignorant ones because I know most people do not know. And I know that they are ignorantly standing there too, but have no courage to look like a buffoon. Now, I'll let you in on the second secret. I do not care if I look like a buffoon. That much is probably obvious to any of you that know me. If I don't know, the last thing I want is to wallow in my ignorance. So I ask, educate myself, and then determine if it was worth knowing at all. Because the truth is, you never know. On this fourth Sunday in Advent, Paul tells us, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what we need to know. In a creedal statement, if I have ever seen one, I can assure you it's exactly what you need to know. First off, Paul brings us the message of the advent of our God, Jesus, with authority. Real, authorized, defined, distinct, clearly laid out, no denying his authority, authority. This man has the... Mission for the mission of telling the world what they need to believe to live in this world and the next. 
And it all starts with the gospel truth of our Lord. Gospel truth. That's a term you hear in movies trying to show the triumph of the individual against overwhelming odds. The story you're about to hear is the gospel truth. As if using this verbiage draws you in and suspends your disbelief. My favorites are when they start with their childhood, like the Louis Zamperini story, or the story of Ray Charles, or any number of famous figures that tugged on our heartstrings because of their triumph in the face of overwhelming odds. In those opening scenes, we see glimpses of what is to come, and like prophets, we predict what they are revealing to us is that the seeds for the success were sown long before they were famous. We do that at our school all the time. We quickly identify kids that have that extra special something that can lead to church work or predict their capacity to be productive members of society. If we just continue the positive influence of education, stable family, and spiritual growth, they often will come back to us and share that it started with a word of encouragement that started their path from these humble beginnings to greater gains, now grateful for their spiritual formation right here. While we are not prophets, we are so excited we predicted correctly and can say we always knew they were going to do great things. Today, Paul points out that in his case, there were prophets and they prophesied the one great thing we celebrate in the season of Advent, the coming of our God. Promised through the actual prophets, recorded in the prophecies of the Old Testament, and even testified to the stars we learn from Matthew 2, 1-2. That God the Father's Son, our Savior, would come, and indeed he did in the person and work of Jesus the Christ. Now, it's no surprise to anyone that attends my Bible studies that university history professors and grad students are denying the historicity of Christ in the world again. Nothing new. Always been some idiot every couple of years that comes up with the notion that Jesus was a myth, completely ignorant of the historical, archaeological, and geographical evidence that proves he was indeed an actual historic person. So it gives rise to people in church that want to talk about that evidence through apologetics that help people see the truth. What's crazy is that now people that consider themselves Christians are denying that Jesus came into the earth incarnate in the flesh, that he apparently appeared as an apparition or a seismic mass hallucination event or some nonsense as such. Reading today's text alone should dispel any such notion as well as the abundance of texts that verify the incarnate, in-the-flesh presence of Jesus in our world. Now, to be or not to be, that is the question for Christianity. Jesus either lived as Scripture said he did, born of a virgin, died on the cross, and undeniably risen from the dead, or... Our faith is entirely in vain. Any attempt to water that down, marginalize it with modern thought or philosophy or challenge the very laws of biology simply fails to erase that which cannot be wiped from the earth, we learn from Luke 24, 38 to 39. 
The reality of Christianity simply cannot be denied. For we were appointed like Paul for such a time as this, to be set apart from the world with a truth that came in the flesh and will come again. So often, we stand out simply because Christ stands in and with us. The Spirit of Holiness, better known as the Holy Spirit, makes that distinction clear as he makes his dwelling in us through the proclamation of the word and proceeding from Christ himself. We know from John 20, 22 to 23. We know this from, through, and because of Christ alone. It can only happen through this man who is the way, the truth, and the life by which no one can ascend to the Father except through him. But you don't have to worry about it because we didn't and don't have to seek him. Because as John 15, 16 says, he sought us, called us, and chose us to be his dwelling place, earning that place in our hearts with his willingness to suffer and die upon the cross, show his power and dominion over death, and one day come again to take us home to live forever with him. That's how we know we are his beloved. He loved us enough to die in excruciating pain to have us as his own. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Indeed, what a friend we have in Jesus. The hymn of the Father's love begotten says, oh, that birth forever blessed, when the virgin full of grace by the Holy Ghost conceiving promised in their faithful word. Now he shines the long expected. Let creation praise his Lord evermore and evermore. In this hymn, the words were Aurelius Prudentius Clemens Creed in the fourth century, showing the true expanse of the endless love our Father God has for us. Loving us so much, he called us by inviting us and converting us from the sinful shell that was bound to doom us to new bodies, baptized, catechized, and now ready to rise eternally with him. Where all who have Christ in them will live as a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with their palm branches, waving in their hands and crying with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We are the white-robed saints of God now, if not even though not yet. We know the promise of hope that awaits us in the everlasting city of Jerusalem that comes down the bride of Christ to be our dwelling place as promised by God our Father. Because God said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for this is trustworthy and true. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in your eternal Jesus. Amen.